I'm Jared. And I'm Antasia. And welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then have a seat with an open mind and a full glass as we examine reality through the blurry lens of our own individual perspectives. Have an ice cold sip while we talk about unpopular opinions. Welcome back, Seeps. We have returned from our winter slumber, our hiatus, if you will, our usual holiday hiatus. Thank you for joining us once again for another iced tea. And I'm joined to the right of me by my lovely, beautiful wife, Antasia. Hello. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening. Whenever and wherever, right? Mm-hmm. So I know it's been a while, so I figured kind of getting back into the rhythm of doing this podcast that it might be a good time for us to dive into an iced tea and talk about some hot topics that we both want to talk about in this sense on popular opinions, things, or I should say opinions that we have that aren't really shared by the masses, things that society might deem either inappropriate or not right, but we kind of think the contrary. You know, some of them might be more controversial than others. It just depends, right? Yeah, hence unpopular opinions. But some of these, most of these are shared pretty strongly between the two of us. We talk about them a lot in our own everyday lives. Right. Yeah, I mean, if anyone here in the audience even just had a second to sit next to us while we're on a date or just talking at home, you would find that we sift through these unpopular opinions quite often. Pretty much daily. (laughs) And just think about what the world could be. Because, I mean, the world... Well, it's not the best place. It's not perfect. It's not terrible all the time, but there's a lot of obviously room for improvements. I think that just the way that our minds work and how we communicate, we always, we're trying to get to that ideal family dynamic for us. So I think we're always thinking about the world around us and ourselves Mm -hmm. and how things could be potentially. How things could be, but what they won't be because of these specific (laughs) opinions. Right. And again, these are, this is a disclaimer. This is an opinionated episode. These are our opinions. These don't have to be your opinions. If you disagree, please feel free to send a tweet over to at ACOT podcast on Twitter and let us know what your unpopular opinions are. If there's any of our unpopular opinions that you disagree with. Yes, please share. I'm all up for an adult conversation, but yes, just these are our opinions and our opinions alone. Do not take them for face value. If they, if you do not share them again. And the one last thing I'll say is a lot of these are pretty strong, but again, some of them might be subject to change. True. Obviously. Mm-hmm. It just depends. I mean, the finer details. I, I've noticed that some of my unpopular opinions have shifted a little bit over time, but then there's those ones that just, they're part of your core values and you just can't just really your, get over Your laws. Exactly. Everyone's got laws, rules of their own mind, mm-hmm. if you will. So, all right, well, let's get into this. So since you were our guest of honor today, my love, I'll let you go first. All right. Mine's a little bit more lighthearted, and I know that um, we'll kind of venture off into this. will just kind of be a, like a random assortment of unpopular opinions, so they'll kind mm-hmm. of go in just various directions, so hang with us. And, and by the way, if this does take off, this will become its own series as well. Yes. So, it's so my first one. We're going to kind of dive into the Marvel-ish fandom. That's kind of a hot Ooh. topic right now. So, also, one last thing I'll say before you get into this is spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen 
any Marvel movies, let alone Infinity War, Endgame, Black you, Panther. You had time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I just want to be courteous <laughs> and throw that in there so you're not pissed at us. All right. <laughs> Mine is pretty unpopular. Um, I'm not even 100% sure where you stand on this one, but I personally think two big villains in the Marvel Universe were Killmonger and Thanos. And I am actually someone who agrees with both their points. Now, their points, not their execution. That's two different things. Mm -hmm. But I agree with Thanos, yeah. his whole spiel about just the world being a better place if only half the population existed. I, I agreed the moment he said it. Now, when he's like, I want to snap half of you away, okay, you know, <laughs> we could do that a different way. Maybe send half the people away to live on their own place. Then it's, you know, balanced, like you said, as all things should be. But yeah. not just, you know, murdering half the people, like, in a second. Or turning them to dust. You know, just people dying and disappearing. That, I didn't like that part. I think we could have sat down and had a better conversation about how to do that. But, you know, while those people were gone... I wouldn't say those five years were thriving, but yeah, I think the earth recovered a little bit. So piggybacking off of the first one, Killmonger, the villain in Black Panther. Turned out to be Black Panther's cousin, you know, whole backstory. I also agreed with his point of Wakanda sitting on these just riches and just being so prosperous as a country, but being hidden away from those who needed them most which is the, their own people, people who look like them. Um, and so when he found out about Wakanda and this prosperous nation and how he had to suffer back in the United States, people who looked like him had to suffer, I could see where, why he was bitter and angry and wanted them to help. Now, making a whole plan to go in and steal the weapons and kill the king and become king and then go, you know, become the people that he hated – Again, Not about that life. no better execution. <laughs> like we could have had a conversation about how to go about that, but his point of like you know we all need to band together and help those who look like us, but you hiding in the shadows and watching us fail. How helpful is that? So right. I agreed with him, and I you know just really pulling together like just the black community and one sense of self and how we have to help one another. Agreed with slaughtering all everyone else. Not so much. So again, good points. Terrible execution. Absolutely. And I'll piggyback off of that and just say, before we move on to your next point, that I think the motives behind what Killmonger did and what Thanos did are actually very applicable to our society. There's mm -hmm. a lot of parallels. People don't think about it, but Killmonger's motives are right in line with today's social justice movement, the movement that's been going on throughout history to fight for black equality, true equality in society. Mm -hmm. Then you look at Thanos, Thanos's argument goes hand in hand with sustainability. Mm -hmm. We don't have enough resources. We're actually looking forward to the future. It's projected that at some point in the not too far future, we will reach a point where we don't have enough resources to sustain eight plus billion people on this planet. So again, Marvel is genius because they have characters that have motives that actually apply to real life. Now the execution is crazy. <laughs> I mean, again, I would say like, you know, let's use birth control. Let's like double the resources. Mm -hmm. let's, let's have a colonization plan. But again, I mean, I mean, again, I think you can make the same argument that like, why should we colonize space until we fix our own planet? But that's a whole nother bag of yeah. tricks. So <laughs> I won't get into that. But anyways. So yeah. So once we hit that point where, where we're running out of stuff, Thanos will be calling saying, I told you so. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, so you want to do one of yours? Sure. So 
away from the Marvel Universe, obviously, I, I just had some general life unpopular opinions. A few are related to specific technology and, and just habits in life. But the first one I'll say is that I truly believe that no act is too small to make a difference. Your impact is always felt in aggregate. So this is acts of service. This is like going to cast a vote or any sort of, you know, speaking up, using your voice. Like, even if you're one person, sometimes being that dissenter in the room, sometimes being that that person that's going against the grain is all it takes for other people to follow you. So I think if you're going to be a true leader in society, you have to be willing to do the little things to make a difference. I mean, even think about it, just apply it to any scale of life. Like, I think that in our relationship, the small acts of service mean the most. Mm-hmm. Like, you see out there that it's glamorized, like the big presentations, like I think in society, it, it, yeah, yes, it's great that we glorify like big proposals that are well thought out and orchestrated and in these ceremonies and rituals, parades, like all these big events, winning championships, being inducted in the Hall of Fame. But at the end of the day, like even the small things count. And I think that in our society, a lot of times the small things get lost. Like mm-hmm. people don't bat an eye if you go pick up trash, but that makes a huge difference on the environment. People know bad night if you go get your girlfriend, fiance, wife flowers or do the dishes. Mm-hmm. Like people know bad night if you vote for your candidate and your candidate wins by 100,000 votes or loses by 100,000 votes. But it all makes a difference because if everybody thought that nobody made a difference, nobody's doing the dishes, nobody's getting flowers. Exactly. Nobody is casting a vote that can make a difference. Well, if there's 100,001 people mm-hmm. that didn't cast a vote, decided not to cast their vote because they thought their one vote didn't have a difference and their candidate altogether lost by 100,000. Just think about it like that. Like, I, I think, you know, we just watched a great episode in, on the show, Welcome to Earth, which is great, by the way, if you have Disney Plus, talking about the swarm mine. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we have a swarm tendency to think that the small things don't add up. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the exact opposite. So that's what I would have to say. Just always remember that no matter who you are, no matter how small the act, you can make a difference. Even if it's just making a difference for yourself, going, taking a walk, eating that right meal for you, like whatever you want to do, like just make sure that you always recognize that it can have an impact somewhere. I agree with you. I agree. Because we all think that, oh, we don't matter as one, but... Well, it's one plus one plus one plus one. Like, as you keep going, Mm -hmm. it exponentially increases. It's also, one more thing I'll say, it's also the mindset that some people have that are enlightened enough to know that we are one of possibly hundreds of billions, trillions of planets, stars in the universe. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to think we are so far, to our knowledge, the only life forms in the universe on a lonely rock in space that is so infinitesimally small compared to the rest of the observable universe, let alone the universe that we can't observe, how can I have an impact? But you can't look at it that way. I think that there's beauty in being insignificant, but then there's also great power in being insignificant. Like Mm -hmm. you could still make a difference here on earth. Like it doesn't matter if you like don't even make a dent in in space in the universe. We haven't even went farther than the moon. You gotta bring your perspective lens in. When you tend to look at things outwardly, you think, wow, you. We're all just little pieces of flesh matter floating on a rock in space. But when you bring it in, you're like, wow, I'm a person who occupies a home on a street. Mm-hmm. I drive a car. So you have to just be bring that in. If everybody had this mentality, nobody would have good parents because mm-hmm. they would think, what is me 
being a good influence on one kid gonna do exactly. with society when there's billions of kids. Mm -hmm. But yet we see good parents who are dedicated every day that truly make a difference in one life. And for me, making a difference in one life that's qualitative is much better than a quantitative difference if you just can't really cast a net that wide. I agree. So back to you. If you want to finish out the marble ones. Oh, uh, let's see. This one, there's not much to be said about this one. But, <laughs> I think, I think um, we both agree on this next one. But yeah, uh, Thor Ragnarok was terrible. It's a terrible movie. I'm sorry. It was terrible. It's a filler. There was only maybe 10 minutes of significant dialogue in that entire movie. And everything else was just to fill in like the two hour time slot. Because everything that happened between on the trash planet just was so insignificant to the rest of the MCU. Yeah, the Grandmaster is really weird, y'all. All of it like, just, just was... Can't. And I Hulk can't. and Thor, like being like not remembering each other, then all of a sudden becoming best friends, and then they introduced Valkyrie, which she's great. It just really didn't. And then Helena, like she came and went, you know. So yeah, mm. I I feel like Marvel actually, for one of the only times, they kind of fumbled the bag because if you look at Ragnarok as a whole, like the fact that Thor got this awesome haircut, he got the <laughs> eye patch, which is kind of cool in the moment. He mm -hmm. got Stormbreaker, which is literally like was like the most mind-blowing weapon to see mm -hmm. in the moment because we're all used to you know Molnor, but then he gets his new weapon it's mm -hmm. like oh my god like this is super powerful this is great the return of the hulk hella you bring in valkyrie who's a badass character all these things and you think that these are the ingredients for an amazing movie but it just it fell short because like you said I felt like too much time was filler and not really plot driven action. Like it was literally like just Thor trying to escape a planet for like two thirds of the movie. Yeah, it had a hell of a soundtrack, but otherwise it was a flop. I'm sorry, not every Marvel movie is gonna be great and that's one of them. It also, just was a flop, I'm sorry. Yeah, also I would say one of the greatest lines of dialogue in the MCU came out of that movie. The line that Loki said and he's like, I've been falling. For 30 minutes. <laughs> yes, because that becomes clearly just like a little Easter egg in a few other movies. So that's about it. I just, yeah, it wasn't that great. And that's okay. Not every movie's going to be, you know, meh. Thor's okay. And just in his series overall. So, you know, that's what kind of we'll leave that one. So Marvel, hit me up if you want to make another one. <laughs> I think they are making another one. Oh, The Love and Thunder. Well, yeah. this one better be good because... Ragnarok already kind of got me teetering, so. <laughs> we'll see about that. I think this one is also highly controversial. This is, again, just my personal opinion on it. But for me, and living in a place where this occurs a lot, panhandling. I do not believe in giving just straight money to panhandlers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they are sitting on every corner. You pull up and then, like, crap, you're not your stopped at the light. You have to kind of avoid eye contact. And, you know, that you you feel guilty because you, like, okay, well, crap, I don't have five, ten bucks to get to them. Oh, okay, maybe I'll grab it at the gas station or wherever I'm going. But for me, this is, I always say this, if you can sit outside and hold a sign for five, six, eight hours a day, yeah. you can go work and do that. You can hold a sign and get paid to do that. All these, especially living out here in Arizona, a lot of these new communities will literally pay you pretty good money to stand outside and flip a sign and dance on the corner for hours yeah, and then which, you can go which, home. Which is stupid in its own right. Like I, I think that, just side note, that that's <laughs> one of my pet peeves. Like I think it's the it dumbest is. thing ever <laughs> that like, 
it's illegal to plant a sign in the ground, but someone could just flip it around, and that's completely legal. Yeah, like, they're like, well, it's moving now. Like, so. <laughs> yes, that's good from a job creation standpoint, but just the concept altogether is just really dumb. But hey, anyways. some people are really talented because they be out there flipping those signs and kick flips and over their head. Oh, I know. Great entertainment while at the stoplight. But until it hits someone's car. Well, that too. <laughs> but um, so that's my thing. And I personally don't feel guilty when I drive by them and have to look away. And then we, we've all seen the with the dog and the kids and the I have one sure. leg. I need money for surgery. And it's it's hard because there's people who actually have scammed and they give panhandlers mm -hmm. a bad rap. So now you don't really know who to trust. It's like, I don't know if those are your actual kids. If you actually lost your home, like you could have parked two blocks away and, you know, just had them out there for the hell of it. So. Right. I just think like I worked hard for my money, whether it's five, 10, 50, 100. I worked hard for that. I didn't stand outside and expect someone to give that to me. Mm -hmm. And we also have programs that are built to help people like that, especially now post pandemic. We have programs where you can have housing assistance or meal assistance. There's homeless shelter. Like If you are truly in that situation and my heart feels for those who are. But if you're truly in that situation, I think there's better ways to go about getting some quick cash. If you have a car and a cell phone, which most of them do, you could DoorDash. Like all you need is pretty much an email. There's options now. I just, I think we're beyond the days of just sitting outside, holding a sign and mm -hmm. expecting people to give us a few spare bucks because they're driving by. I just have never really believed in that or liked that. And from just someone who has, you know, work ethic i just think that there's other ways to get what you need versus expecting people to give it to you right and yeah it's definitely a tough proposition because i know that it's kind of a controversial topic whenever you talk about the homeless but what do they say modern problems require modern solutions and we don't see any or at least we don't see a lot of private entities or townships or cities actually doing anything to help the homeless like they're mm -hmm. if anything they're closing shelters they're closing goodwills they're closing opportunity and all these requirements to get a job they require an address and all you know drug testing all this stuff sometimes or actually i should say a lot of times it is discriminating against these people mm -hmm. but i do i do agree with you i feel like it's hard for me to feel like i'm giving my money to the right person because I see people on the street sometimes and I'm like, I don't want to think this, but man, it just looks like they, they just got out of their car somewhere and walked exactly. over here. It's like, they look like they're showered, exactly. like put together. I'm like, I, I hate to think that way, but it's like, you have to, when you see all these people on the internet who are caught scamming, mm -hmm. it's just hard to trust those kind of people. I'm more of a believer that if you really want to help the homeless, like, do something for them. And yes. if they reject that, then that is on them. Yes, because I bought meals, like quick little snacks off at the gas station, drinks, and I've gotten turned down plenty of times. No, I just I just want 20 bucks. Well, I spent 20 bucks on this, so clearly you weren't going to use the 20 bucks to get you something to eat and better your day. Um, and I agree with you. As much as we say, oh, you know, there's programs to help them, those same programs are being closed due to lack of funding and everything else. And, and I'm a huge, like, I really wish we had better programs for the homeless. I always say if I ever won the lottery, I would start mm -hmm. like a foundation that would take these vacant buildings and turn them into residences for the homeless to get them back out in the streets and just get them some good care. And it's just a safe place to sleep at night. But the same cities like Scottsdale is an example. Mm -hmm. So sorry about the name drop. And Gilbert. <laughs> these cities have literal signs up that says it's okay to say no to panhandling. But these same cities also really aren't providing 
places for these people to go. Um, they, they, so, they provide more opportunities, those stupid bird scooters. Yeah, than, than for people, people to go sleep. There's so I can name 10 vacant buildings off the top of my head right now that are just empty, lights on, mm-hmm. but no one, doors locked so no one can sleep inside. Yep. So that's another problem we need to address as a society are the homeless. Yep. And I will go off of that and segue to one of my unpopular opinions that isn't about homelessness, but it's about homes. And this one, it's a very hot topic for a lot of people, especially in today's real estate market. But I will be the first to say it here, go on the record and say renting is not wasting money, given that is more affordable and less risk than owning. The argument against renting is always that, well, you're putting your money in a hole in the ground. You don't, you're not building equity. You're not setting yourself up for success in the future. You're not laying a foundation. And I get that. I really do. I honestly would prefer to own myself just because the idea of making that equity of one day owning your property, that that's amazing. You can't ever get that with renting. But I think what's lost in all that is that there's so many hurdles with our generation, millennials, and even afterwards, like Gen Z and, and whoever's to come after, all these hurdles that have been put in our way, all these barriers and obstacles to homeownership. And now with the real estate market going haywire and prices are just ridiculous because the supply and demand curves are like just not where they need to be for it to be economical. It's, it's just un, it's an unrealistic prophecy at this point to, to, to say, to laugh at somebody that's renting because they can't buy a home when the home that they want is hundreds of thousands of dollars overpriced, at least to what they could afford, then how is that fair? I also Amen. don't think it's fair to make people lower their expectations to buy something that they can afford. When again, if it's an inflated market, again, we could be talking about if, if the price dips at all, now you're in a bad situation, right? Like I'm, all, I'm a big believer of owning when the time is right, when you make enough money to where you can afford that mortgage, to when you know that you're either, you know you're gonna make money on this house, at least in the short term, so you can flip it, or you know you're gonna make money in the long term, so it doesn't matter, you'll get that equity back even if the price goes down a little bit, you're gonna get it back in the long run because you're gonna be able to stay there long enough. But who wants to invest $300,000 in a house that is way undersized and then the market goes down and now you're upside down in a house that you didn't even want. Exactly. And you gotta, you gotta wait years until you get that money back. And it's just, I, I don't really understand the culture behind pushing people into home ownership. I feel like if we didn't have that culture, we would actually be able to buy a house. Yep. You know why? Because the supply wouldn't be outpacing the demand like it's been for years. Like it's crazy that that people put so much pride into owning a house when it doesn't make sense like it it has to be it has to be economical it has to make sense you can't put yourself in a bad situation you know like if you look at us look at how much we're paying to rent our house mm-hmm. right now compare that to what we can afford mm-hmm. with our income it, it's not even close like <laughs> even if we were to buy this house that we're living in and renting, mm-hmm. the mortgage alone would be just as much, if not more, if than not what we're paying in rent. rent. Mm-hmm. And that's not including the thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars that they want you to put down your house, which is also ridiculous. Like, I understand they need collateral and all, I get that. But, like, again, we're trying to apply mid 20th century solutions to, you know, 
2022 problems Thank here. Thank you. And that's where those pressures are coming from. The previous generation where George and Louise could go buy a home, put down $500 and buy a home for $15,000 and be on their way. Oh, it's great. Just $500 to the bank. Okay. You worked here for a few months. Great. Okay. Let's come on in. It's great. Uh, not today. We can't even... People can't even afford to live in an apartment. People can't even qualify for an apartment. You, you can't even qualify for an apartment, let alone a home. And you're paying more in an apartment than you would pay for the home. So it's like, okay, you barely qualified to pay $1,900 on this apartment for a month. Okay, sure. Ooh, we're going to deny you for a $1,300 home loan, though. Sorry, it looks like you haven't worked for 50 years. And, oh, you only have right. two bank accounts, one credit card. Mm, no, that's not enough. I'm sorry. Like, it just it's ridiculous the hoops and hurdles that people have to jump through. And at, you know, 25 years old, you want to buy a home and they want you to put down 15 to 20 percent on like a $250,000 house. That's a good chunk of your salary. That's a good chunk of your salary, probably not even your savings. So unless you really have mom and dad to help you out, like it's extremely unrealistic in today's times. Like you said, we're applying those same rules from 50 years ago to today. Okay. Yeah. But the market is not it's the changed. same as it was 50 years ago. That's and I a lot wish of things. Labor laws, too. All, exactly. Like, people were making almost barely a dollar more, maybe, if that, than what people made 50 years ago. And it's just insane. And those same people who it doesn't matter to anymore, Miss, you know, Mr. George and Thelma, to them, wow, these kids out here, why don't you guys own your home? All you want to do is rent. That's all we can afford, thanks to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so it, you didn't really it, set us up well. It's, it's crazy because renting is almost always more than your mortgage unless you mm -hmm. lock in rent before prices go up in the market, right? Mm -hmm. But again, a lot of times the trade-off for people that are living paycheck to paycheck is I will pay hundreds of dollars more to rent than to buy because I literally cannot save up enough money. And people have to live, mm -hmm. like people live in fairy tale land if they think that average everyday people are able to save thousands of dollars a paycheck. Like that's <laughs> credit to you if you can do that. Like seriously, if you were in your 20s and you have tens of thousands of dollars saved up and you've got great credit and you wanna go buy that house, do it. Like that is awesome. I'm really happy for you. But I have I'm one just question. saying as a whole. <laughs> do you live with your parents still? Do you drive right. your own car? There's because we see those articles all the time. Oh my God, 21 year old saved up $150,000 able to buy a house cash, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the footnotes, she lived at home with her parents still. Her parents paid for her college. Her parents bought her vehicle or she's yeah. driving her parents' vehicle, doesn't have to pay insurance. Like that's not what we're, we're not seeing those yeah. footnotes. Everyone has a unique set of circumstances. And what I'm saying is that the average person's circumstances makes it nearly impossible mm -hmm. to buy in this market. Now, again, if the market were to recede and the prices got more competitive, I could see there being a little bit of a shift in balance, but even three years ago when the market was primed for buyers and not sellers like it is today, we still like... We'd have the jobs we had now. Yeah, if we had to, the jobs we had now, we, we would have been able to afford it, but it's still like it... Even if you took our situation today in the market of three to five years ago, it still would have been like, well, I don't know, like, you know, you know, it's, it's like, it's never a guarantee that you're gonna get approved anyways. Sure. And you still have to save up a bunch of money. Like it doesn't matter what your income or credit is. Mm -hmm. Like you're at the mercy of the mortgage company. Yep. So again, I will die on that hill. You know, let, let's, let's stop glorifying home ownership. Like it's this thing that everybody has to do. A lot of my unpopular opinions on my list are about things that people think that everybody should do but they don't really have to, to mm -hmm. be fulfilled as a person. And I'm, I'm saying homeownership is great, 
I want to reap those benefits. I want to be a homeowner. I'm not saying that it's bad. I think it's definitely a lot better than renting, but let's stop pretending that renting is this horrible option. Like what are people just going to be homeless if they can't buy a house? Like what is, what is the alternative here? What, why, why are renters treated so badly? Like why, why are people that rent their homes looked down upon mm -hmm. versus the people that own their homes? Like we rent and we take care of this place. Like we own it. So that's all I'm going to say. It is a brand new home. Hell. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, mine, mine actually just piggybacks off of this and I'm not gonna elaborate on it, but my next one would be owning a home is overrated and it's not a necessity <laughs> for the exact reasons that he just gave mm -hmm. because people look down on you. Like, oh, you rent your home? Wow, well, I bought mine. It's like, okay, I'm glad you bought yours. Um, so how, how much in debt are you? How, how long is it gonna take you to pay that, pay that off? Oh, you're $500,000 in debt? Wow, mm, sorry, it sucks to suck for you because you can't buy anything else, so have fun with that. Right. And just the leash that they have on you while you're going through the closing process. Mm -hmm. That's very true. You literally cannot buy anything outside of the ordinary. You can't even buy Starbucks, I'm sure. <laughs> like outside of the things that you deem necessary, which is like your groceries, the you know whatever rent you're paying, your car note, you can't go buy yourself a nice laptop if your laptop breaks. The bank's gonna be like, mm, nope, sorry, that's you spent a little bit too much and now you've wasted six months with your finances and on hold. And they deny you. So what if you have a medical emergency that comes up and they deny you because you spent money? Like what type of life is that? People who I know that were in the home buying process were stressed daily because they had to make sure their finances were on point. You can't have your car break down unexpectedly because you were not getting the house and you had to buy a new car. So just the restrictions mm -hmm. that come with that is just not necessary when you can own a home and don't have to deal with it. No HOA, no uh, like property taxes, just the whole thing. I can live my life not ever owning a home. Um, and that's where I feel like we differ <laughs> a little bit. I mm -hmm. value homeownership a lot more than you do, but mm -hmm. we see the flaws in it the same. Yes, I agree. So. I think I just have more of a life goal of owning a home where I feel like you would be okay with never owning a home. And that's totally fine. Yeah, because what does that do for me? It, it all depends on what fits your life goals. If you if you feel like homeownership, and I'll say this to all you steeps as well, if you constantly, if you feel like society's telling you to buy a home and you keep trying and trying, but you always feel like it's this burden or obstacle, then don't do it. Because clearly that's the universe's way of telling you this isn't a good decision. You mm -hmm. should not burden yourself just so you could say, I own a home, like, haha. Like, you know, my thing is, what does that get you? Nervously, like, like, what does it get you? A gold star on your tombstone? Because when, when you position. die, the house doesn't come with you. And when you die, you are no better than Jimmy Joe down the street who rented his home. So that's my thing. Just owning a home does nothing for you, really. Honestly, I think owning your car flat out has more benefits than owning your home because you're going to pay your home off for a bunch of for years to come. Car, you get paid off in, you know, six, well, seven, eight at least, years. At least a home, you can actually make money. Car, you can't really make money. Well, you save money. We don't have a car. Now. It's just uh, getting to that point with a home is a lot more difficult, right? It's a lot longer. So again, the last thing I'll say on that point is that just imagine you buy a house for five hundred thousand. You you think you're you're doing great. You're like, okay, cool. I'll flip it, put some upgrades into it. I might make fifty grand on the market. It's looking like it's going to go up a little bit. Take that fifty thousand, use the down payment on a new house, get a bigger house, and you grow wealth generationally that way, right? Well, then what happens if after you buy that house, all of a sudden market contracts and now it's worth four fifty? Yep. W what do you do? But you're 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 stuck there unless you can come up with the difference. Yeah, but you can't go take it back to the bank. Like I want to make a return. They're like, yeah, no. That's why I don't believe in a hasty decision. I I I have said it from day one that the house that I buy, 
it's either going to be such a good price that I know that I'm assured that I will it will appraise in value while I own it, or I'm in it for the long haul. Because in that case, I don't care if it goes down because I know I'm going to be here. So. Exactly. I know. So, yeah, like we said, different opinions on it, but we see the pros and the cons. Yep. So my next one, this one has bothered me a lot recently. I'm going to kind of venture off into the mom-parent community. I really, really hate the argument against breast milk and formula. And I hate that as moms, it's just such shaming on whichever direction you go to, whether it's just lack of knowledge, lack of experience, what your mom told you, or what the internet tells you. And my thing is, I have done both. I Mm -hmm. breastfed my daughter, and we formula fed our daughter. And she is perfect in every way, and she's perfectly fine. One of the smartest little creatures on this planet currently. So my thing is, when mom's like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead. Like, I'm going to formula feed. I'm like, I'm like, what's the best formula out there? 95% of the comments will be, wow, why can't, why can't you just breastfeed? Wow, that's so lazy. Um, Wow, you have breast milk right on your chest. You can give your baby. Not knowing any of the circumstances that surrounded her decision yeah. to provide formula. The baby could have an eating deficiency. The baby could literally have a breast milk sensitivity. That exists. The baby could not be able to properly latch onto the nipple. The mom could have had a mastectomy. You do not know the circumstances of why a woman chooses not to breastfeed. And either way, even if she's just like, I don't want to, my mom chose not to just because she didn't want to. Because that's a burden as well. Having a breast dependent baby, a baby who only depends on you and your boob at any given time. Now, I chose to pump. I pumped my breast milk into a bottle and fed it to my daughter, our daughter, because I wanted her dad to be able to feed her. I wanted her family, her grandmothers and grandparents to be able to feed her and she not just see me as a giant walking boob to give her food whenever. But she also developed just this speed with eating and I couldn't keep up the supply to feed her as much as she wanted to eat. So we switched over to formula and it worked great. And so I just, I really hate this battle that we have in the mom community where it's like, it's one or the other. Formula was made for babies. It wasn't made for, like I said, pigeons. Um, like it was made for babies. Breast milk made for babies. So as long as they're eating, I'm not really seeing what the problem is. And unless you know the entirety of that mom's situation, why, why she chose formula, keep your mouth shut. We don't need to know, wow, wow, you could just breastfeed. I think she knows that. She probably has tried and it probably didn't work out. So instead of shaming, why don't we just answer her question and support her? If she asked what's right. a good formula, if you don't have experience with that because you chose to breastfeed, there's called this thing, don't say anything. Don't answer the question if you aren't going to answer the question. She didn't ask, oh my gosh, someone please give me advice on how to breastfeed. You know, I've been trying and failing. She asked for what's a good formula. So just yeah. answer it that way. That's another unpopular opinion, right? Like don't solicit advice that's not asked for. Yes. Either answer the question or don't. Sometimes silence is the best answer of all, if but you just don't have an answer to the question. I love to get up into people's business. Yeah, I breastfed for six months, so you can do it. Wow. Wow. Cool. Thank you for telling me there's that. There's a gold star. <laughs> just like with the, there, there's a homeowner gold star, there's yes. a big gold star. Like, that's the thing. Because we don't walk around with tattoos on our head saying if we were best breastfed or formula fed. We, You don't ask that to an adult. No. First date. So were you um, breastfed? Like, we know the benefits of breast milk, but formula has those benefits. And now with modern technology, there's literally formulas made from breast milk. Mm -hmm. So there is no argument anymore. And just being someone Mm -hmm. who's done both, there is no argument. As long as the baby is fed and healthy, 
who cares? Mind your right. own business. Mind the breasts that you feed or don't feed your baby with and just leave it at that. Well, I mean, this is a classic example of the false alternatives, logical fallacy. Shameless plug for my next episode, by the way, <laughs> where basically you're either on one side or the other. You're either pro breast milk or you're pro formula. Like there's no like they make it seem like there's no middle ground. I know. Like shout out to the old what's that taco brand commercial where it's like, oh, why, yeah. Why not both? Why not both? Like literally, yeah, why not both? The because, yes, the tacos. I'm yeah, like, yeah it's on. like hard shell, soft shell, hard shell, soft shell. Little girl's like, why not both? And then they're all just partying. Like, at oh the my end. God, what a brilliant idea. Like, why not both? Like, <laughs> oh my, it's one of the things that make me so furious in the mom community because as supportive as it can be, it can also be so detrimental. Toxic. There should not be moms in tears at like a store in the formula aisle because she cannot produce breast milk and she feels a failure. I even felt it at one point when my breast, like when my breast milk supply was tanking because I couldn't keep up with our daughter's intake. I felt like a failure, but I had to really check myself. Like, is she fed? Is she happy? Is she alive? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do we have the money to buy her formula? We do. So there's no failure there. I did it. I gave it my all. She just had different needs and that's where it is. And so that's just where I'm going to leave it. But moms, we got to do better. We have to support each other because yeah. we're the only ones who can relate to one another. So we got to do a better job at Absolutely. supporting each other. Yeah, no, that's great. I completely, 100% agree with you. Do you have any other parenting mom-related ones on your list? I do have another parenting one. Go for it. This one as well. <laughs> we should not applaud fathers for doing the bare minimum in parenting or household contributions. Thank you. I get sick because I, on social media, TikTok, Insta, all of it, we see these, these beautiful posts like, oh my God, look at my husband just being a rock star dad for taking five minutes to play with the baby on the mat while I go use the bathroom. Like, come on. That's not worthy of an Instagram <laughs> post, fam. Like, we should not be applauding men for doing the bare minimum because we don't get applauded for doing that. That's expected of us. We're expected to have the baby strapped to us while unloading the dishwasher, mm -hmm. while dinner's getting made in the background, while also keeping an eye on the one kid playing with the toy. Like, for us, like, it's like, wow, you can't do that automatically. You don't have eight arms, wow. But when the dad picks the baby up and takes him to the park, oh my God, look. What a great husband and father. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> or the dads who, the mom who gets to go out and, you know, have a mimosa with the girls. And, oh my God, where, where's little Billy? Oh, he's at home with your husband. Wow, what a good husband. Like, uh, or that's his father. Or they say that a father watching <laughs> his kids is like babysitting. Yeah, who's baby? Oh, is your husband babysitting? No, my husband's with his child. Parenting. <laughs> Parenting. The same way it would be if my husband went out and I was at home. Dads don't ever get asked, oh, who's at home with your kid? It's just expect, oh, the mom's home? Okay, great, fun. Like, can we stop? applauding a fish for mm -hmm. swimming dads are supposed to this is what's expected for your male partners to do when you have children housework is the same absolutely we're not like it shouldn't be a whole grand debut if he chooses to do the dishes after while you after you make dinner or change the baby's diaper while you take a shower like it's not some trade-off like okay i do this you do this i'm gonna give you a gold sticker for doing this like it should be something that's already done like it's not i really just i hate that whole thing and I if agree. you if you want to do that and applaud your husband and give him kudos and extra goodies and oh you, i'm gonna go buy you a six pack of beer because you watched the baby for an hour no it's like here can you do this while i go do this okay great sure it, it should just be normalized like let's stop putting men on a pedestal for doing the absolute bare minimum when we do it it's just it's a god-given right for us but when men yeah. do it it's just oh my god let's let the world stop 
because my husband cleaned up some Legos. Like, right. And again, I don't think that this should be viewed necessarily as a personal attack on people. Mm -hmm. I think that this is, this needs to be viewed through the lens of like breaking down the patriarchy. Yes. Because in our society, in our culture, we have these preconceived notions that fathers are going above and beyond for doing the bare minimum. And it should absolutely not be that way. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Like we are equal partners. Like we, we don't ever do everything 50-50 in every little category, but in aggregate, yes. it's 50-50. Like we've talked about this before. If you became a stay-at-home parent and I was gonna take the brunt of working, obviously you'd have more household duties mm -hmm. and more time taking care of the kids, but I would still do that stuff too. Like it never goes away. Like just because I'm bringing all the money doesn't mean I get to go to work for eight to 12 hours a day and then go sit on my butt the rest of the day. Like that's not what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a partnership. And I think that this just goes as part of like, society needs to value women the same way they value men. And if we were to do that, we would stop calling dads babysitters and we'd stop <laughs> yeah. rewarding men for doing the bare minimum. And honestly, barely applaud women when they go above and beyond. Yeah. So I mean- Because women choose to go out for, to have time for themselves, it's selfish. Wow, shouldn't you be at home with your baby? Wow, you just had a baby. Wow, oh, you're gonna leave your husband home with the kids? Wow, like, what? <laughs> so he can do those things, but I can't do those things. Why? Because society right. has told us that women only belong at home once she has a baby. No. Barefoot and pregnant. Pretty much. Barefoot in the kitchen. Women get, oh, you're going back to work? You're not gonna, you're not gonna stay home with the babies? Who's gonna, you're gonna send them to daycare? Right, yes. we, we even, we even like, I feel like, got a few like looks when we decided to go the route of having our daughter going to school and we mm -hmm. were both gonna go back to work like i think our families were kind of like well wait like you're not going to do the whole traditional like stay-at-home mom jared works thing we're like well we can't right now and even mm -hmm. if we wanted to like I, I respect the fact that if you ever had a career that you wanted to pursue i don't expect you to give up your ambitions to be a stay-at-home mom like we made the sacrifice to have kids together mm -hmm. right so like we need to own up to that and figure it out together. This isn't your problem. Exactly. This isn't my problem. Mm -hmm. This is our problem. There are our kids. Yes. This is our family. And we so, worked like, we, it out. We communicate and do this together. Yes. And we worked it out to how we wanted it to be. And those expectations were set when my first pregnancy began. Like, okay, I'll, you know, here we are. Things were a little non-traditional when I was first pregnant because I was home, but then after a while, I went back to work, stayed home with the baby, and then went back to work after, and then the pandemic happened. So, but during that time, it's like, okay, this is this is fun and games, this is great, but you know, I'm not someone who wants to just necessarily sit at home forever. And it just, with the pandemic, it just happened that way, and it was fantastic. But it became the time where it was very clear our daughter needed to go to school and get some social interaction. She was an only child, and so it's like, I can only teach her letters, numbers, colors, of which she all knew. She could spell her name by one, like by two, it was great. And so I'm like, all right, now it's time for you to go to school and be around other children because she was starting to develop this kind of intense stranger danger. And But she mm -hmm. also was developing an intense interest in other kids. And so there's a very clear sign that she wanted to go be around people her age. And it's been great ever since. And so, yeah, I just think we need to really back off this whole women have babies men work because that's just not what it is anymore it's actually very it's starting to spin on its head we're seeing a lot more stay-at-home dads quote unquote and women who are out here working and earning for the family and that's awesome 
Mm-hmm. So, but again, it's whatever your family dynamic is. And for moms who get to just, who want to just stay at home with the kids while the dad work, that's awesome as well. Cause that's a hell of a job. Every, any article will tell you that being a stay at home mom is the most, is the hardest job yes. there is to do. And it should be paid, <laughs> but it is not. Hopefully one day in some lifetime we could see it paid because it should be. Because raising children it's hard. is not for the week. So. Yeah. And kudos to single parents that work and take care of the kids. Oh, you guys like, are you just a different breed. I honestly, if, if you have advice or tips on how to do that, please let us know at ACOP <laughs> Podcast on Twitter because I'm clueless. I don't know how you do it. So thank you for your contributions. Yes. And as someone who came from a single parent, like it's just, you do it because you have to and you don't know anything else. And it's just the work ethic and the, the love you guys have for your kids to make something as hard as that work. Just kudos to you. Awesome. Well, do you have any other parenting, family oh, ones on your list? I guess another one would be... Once you become an adult, and this is for just becoming an adult or once you have kids, your parents are not entitled to you anymore. I Because sometimes we see these really bad patterns of just what we call now generational curses. And mm-hmm. as people our age, especially having kids now, we're just really starting to see like, wow, my parental upbringing wasn't... Like, I wouldn't do that with my kid yep. <laughs> type thing. And I love that for us. I love that we're really acknowledging like some... Like, you know, and again... Parenting is a very gray area, but yep. if you notice a trend that's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yell at my kids the way I got yelled at. I'm not gonna spank my kids the way I got spanked. I'm not going to, you know, invade their privacy the way that mine was invaded." That's good for you to recognize that it's something that you won't do with your own kids, but it may not have, you know, harmed you necessarily as as an adult. I was spanked as a kid. I think I turned out fine. So was I. So, but it's something that, you know, we don't jump to the gun to do with our daughter because there's other ways of kind of getting your kid to do what you want them to do and kind of talking them off that ledge besides just spanking them. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I mean, that your parents aren't necessarily entitled to you. If you are, you know, dreading going to a family function because you know you're going to get into it with your parents or aunt, uncles, cousins, you don't have to go. You are an adult. You can make that decision. If you're just like, oh, I don't really, like, I, oh, my parents are being really pushy. We just had a baby. They want to come over. Like, girl, it's COVID. <laughs> like, no, they don't have, you don't have to do that. I mean, an anecdote for me, there's people in my family that I could care less about and I don't want to see. Exactly. That's another unpopular opinion. Like, I, I don't think that just because their blood means that I have to like them. Exactly. Like, I see just a lot of parents who just really invade, and families who just really invade your personal space. Once you become an adult, especially once you have a baby, like, oh, we're, mm-hmm. we're coming over today. Like, I just brought the baby home. Like, can we build a little bio, like a biome for them first, please? And, you know, you hear terrible stories of, you know, grandma or aunt, uncle kissing a baby and giving the baby herpes. And it's just like boundaries. Set them for yourself. Set them for your family. Like, yeah. You are the adult here. Your parents cannot make you do anything you don't want to do anymore. So I just think that that's something we really need to identify at our age. You know, we're all kind of breaking away now, living on our own, starting families. Like, it's your family now. It's not your parents' family. Like, oh, my mom wouldn't like if I did this with her. Who cares? Who cares? That's your kid. You do what you want. As long as everyone's safe and okay, you do what you want. Amen. I feel about that. Amen to that. No personal experience. I love our family, but I'm yeah. just speaking of Well, we were saying in general, in general because <laughs> even you have to think there's family traditions that people just don't want to t- pass on, mm-hmm. if, whether they're 
there's family heirlooms that they think are ugly or there's yeah. traditions <laughs> that like these rituals that they don't want to partake in or maybe mm -hmm. they don't agree with the religion that their family believes exactly. in. Exactly. Just their beliefs or value system, their politics, like anything, like you can be your own person. You could be your own family. I agree. That's the whole point. All right. Well, babe, I think this episode is, it's probably going to be too long to have as one piece. So I think we'll probably wrap things up here and we'll just have to continue on with a part two of our unpopular opinions because we just have so many unpopular opinions to share. We just can't like... I, I don't think we could really shelf these. I think we have to get them out there. So stay tuned for a part two of this episode. And then, of course, when it's all said and done, let us know if you want to have a series with unpopular opinions. Yes. So if you want to hear us rant on more about our own unpopular opinions, then please listen into the next episode. Absolutely. And remember, they are opinions. So just, just keep that in mind. These are these opinions, are not, facts. not laws, not facts. And of course, thanks for listening, and you'll hear from us in part two of this episode. Thanks for listening about Unpopular Opinions. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please subscribe for the latest freshly brewed ice cold content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.